Hey, it's Andy. Every teen has their stuff they don't tell their parents about, not because they lack trust, but because they're trying to work it out on their own. As much as we wish we could be their go-to for everything, the truth is we can't always provide the objective guidance they need during these crucial years. That's where our partner, Bonfire Digital Wellness, comes in. Imagine your teen having a compassionate coach with years of experience as a high school counselor checking in weekly to support your teen's social, emotional, and academic growth, from fostering healthy habits to managing screen time and much more. The best part? It's all 100% online. Visit BonfireDW today and take advantage of a one-month free trial. That's BonfireDW.org slash Talking to Teens. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. today with Rosalind Wiseman. She is the author of the book Queen Bees and Wannabes, Helping Your Daughter Survive Clicks, Gossip, Boyfriends, and Other Realities of Adolescence, the absolute classic that's now in its third edition and was also the impetus for the hit Hollywood film Mean Girls and the word fetch. She is also the author of Masterminds and Wingmen. Helping Our Boys Cope with Schoolyard Power, Locker Room Tests, Girlfriends, and the New Rules of Boy World. She is also the author of Queen Moms and Kingpin Dads, dealing with the parents, teachers, coaches, and counselors who can make or break your child's future, as well as a guidebook specifically for teenage boys written with 140 teenage boys. She is the founder of cultures of dignity. She spent decades working directly with teenagers to teach them first physical self-defense and then later on relationship skills, how to navigate the complex social world of teenagers. We are so excited to talk to Rosalind about her incredible body of work and her best tips for parents of teenage girls and boys today to help your teenager navigate that complex social world. Rosalind, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'd love to talk a little bit about this book, which is, as you said, published 19 years ago now. Queen Bees and Wannabes, Helping Your Daughter Survive Clicks, Gossip, Boyfriends, and Other Realities of Adolescence. And actually, in the in the introduction to this other book of yours, Masterminds and Wingmen, you talk about a situation that happened shortly after the release of this book, Queen Bees, before it was published, I was profiled in New York Times Magazine article entitled Mean Girls. A few days later, my literary agent asked if I'd like to talk to a woman named Tina Fey because she was interested in buying the rights to the book. So that's cool. <laughs> that was cool. That was an unusual moment in my life. Wow. Okay. So then that call led to the film Mean Girls. Yeah, it led to all things in the world, mean girls, queen bee backpacks, um, fetch, the word, um, (laughs) as a phrase. You made Um, fetch happen. Right. Mm -hmm. The language, 
the language changed a little bit after that. Interesting. So this is really rich. There's so much going on in this book, but um, you you write in the introduction here that it kind of came out of a program that you created um, you to work in in schools to, to go into schools and work with girls on their friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, when I first started, and that was a long time ago you know, this is the only job I've ever had is to work with teenagers. And so I've been doing it since I was almost a teenager myself, like when I was 22. And I started by actually teaching self-defense to girls because I felt like violence against people's body was also against their minds. And it felt really important to me that the issue of self-empowerment for girls, but also for anybody is about your mind and your body. And so I did that for a while. And then I started writing curriculum that actually what is called now is social emotional learning curriculum, but I didn't know that at the time. I don't even know if that was the term we used. And I started doing that and I started having young people probably because I was pretty much like I was four or five years older than they were in some cases, right? right? That they were just telling me, they were pretty comfortable telling me what I was doing was wrong or cheesy or, you know, just not Mm. realistic. And so I started creating all this kind of content books and lesson plans and just everything around what young people needed. And so books came from that, like Queen Bees and Wannabes or Masterminds for Boys. I wrote a book for parents. And today I run a a company called Cultures of Dignity that's just, it's all about creating content for young people where young people are the subject matter experts of their lives. And so everything comes from that. Everything I do, everything I write, everything I say is very much based on what young people tell me. And all these books, you run these things by actual teenagers. You know, both of these you mentioned, you actually have people read every chapter and tell you, oh my gosh, this, no, no, get this out of here. Or yes, this is right on. And there's quotes all throughout the book from actual teenage girls and boys in both cases that are illuminating. So can we dive into one of the first things that uh, I love, by the way, throughout these books, you have little um, landmines, things to watch out for as a parent. And they're really insightful. And, you know, they have warning, watch out. And so one of the first ones in this book is the word clicks, that girls can't stand the word clicks and will immediately get defensive if you use this to describe their group of friends. So how can you talk to teenage girls about clicks without actually talking about clicks? Well, you can talk to them about clicks. You just, first of all, you can't say that word, right? Yeah. You can't because the word's annoying and the word comes across as if like you're in middle school and you're doing something mean. It seems like it, it demeans the relationships to say like it's a click of girls because we tend to superficialize girls' friendships and experiences. And so it's really important that we can say the words and we can describe their experiences without using the words that irritate them. You know, it's not all girls feel this way, but I think that, for example, that you can say to like the daughter in your life, you know, I use this word clicks and does that like annoy you in any way? Because if it does, I'd really like to know because I actually don't want to annoy you or, you know, it's sort of inevitable that you're going to annoy them, but you do need to choose what they're going to I'd love to to minimize it as much as possible at least. So, yeah. 
Well, and also there are some things that you might say that annoy them, but you actually have very good reason for saying them. So you need the best sort of percentage mm. of them listening to you. And so using words that irritate them, make it less likely. So, because you are going to say things that irritate the children and really sometimes that's actually incredibly necessary. So you just want to be careful, like choose your battles, right? About what, what's irritating. Yeah. So clicks, maybe avoid that, maybe have a conversation about it. Then you actually in this book, uh, in both of these books, you break down all of the uh, different roles that teenagers can sort of occupy within this kind of standard social groups. And you give them all names and show how they're kind of interconnected in different ways. And I mean, it's really insightful. You have these terms, queen bee and sidekick. But of course, we're not supposed to use these words when we talk to our daughter about this stuff. So what should we know about these roles and how we could talk about them in a way that won't, you know, get the eye roll? Yeah, and also I think what's important is is that labeling is a pro and it's a con. So, uh, you know, lots of, for example, there are a lot of people who voluntarily put labels on themselves and they're identifiers, like this is what identifies me. And then you're choosing that. So what I did with labels is I wanted young people to be able to see their behavior for better and for worse. Because once you can put words to it, then you can see like, well, do I want to actually show up this way? So like I have a term for the girls called the banker, which is somebody who collects information that's going on in the group. And then they hold it until very strategic times. Yeah, and then they like right. sense information that makes other girls really anxious. And by the way, there can be boy bankers too. And you know, you can do things and do them as a pattern, but not realize that you're doing them or not put word to, to them. And that's important if you want to have some self-awareness about what the consequences are to your life for better and for worse. And so the labels are a way to have more awareness about your own behavior and also to be able to let go of some behavior that you're like, why am I doing this? This is right. Why, why am I doing this? Yeah. So it's really important to do that. The thing that I didn't want to do didn't want to happen, but it did happen, especially with the girls, not so much with the boys, is that people used it as a way to say like, oh, I know that girl's a queen bee or that yeah, girl's a bee, that girl's right. a bee. And that was actually opposite of what my intention was because I wanted adults to be able to get some self-awareness about their own behavior, by the way, because this stuff doesn't stop when you're in high school and be able to let it go. And so one of the things that's been hard always about that part of my work is being able to say to parents, do not do this and start labeling all the girls that you know. Oh, see, so that friend, she's this. That friend, she's this. That, yeah. Right. right, because right. Really, it's because the other part is, is that, you know, your daughter might be friends with a girl who's like 90% horrible, right? Like, you know, 95% horrible. But the right. 5% would be really important. And your daughter knows that. Or maybe she know, your daughter knows why the other girl is 90% horrible. Like, and she's yeah, not going to tell you right. why. Because if you do, then you're going to have opinions about your daughter hanging out with this girl. judgmental, right? Right, exactly. The judgments are really intense. And, yeah. for, and boys and girls are really sensitized and sensitive, rightfully so, to adults judging their friends or judging them. So the labels thing, both boys and for girls, it's really helpful when they read it, actually. So I still get um, lots of correspondence from kids saying, I read this and it really helped me understand my social dynamics, like my, yeah. my world school. And that's the point. That's the point is to be able to give a greater understanding so that you can have more autonomy and more self-agency in these situations and more self-awareness. 
Yeah, it helps you just start to see patterns and sort of distance yourself from it a little bit. I did just keep finding myself saying, wow, I wish I would have read this when I was a teenager and known about all of the things that you write about. So I guess, do you recommend giving this book to your teenagers or just like parts of it that you like read with them or? Yeah, sure. So the, the third edition of Queen Bees, which came out in like 2016 or 17, has a chapter in it for younger girls that I wrote so that parents could read it with younger girls. Younger meaning like 10, younger. Yeah, yeah, get them, prepare them. This is coming down the pike at you. I think 10 is fifth grade or grade five, and okay. that's definitely what's happening. So in the of it, it. Yeah, so I wanted, I wanted parents to be able to have something that they could sit with their daughters. And, and actually, what I've heard and know is that a lot of parents will buy the book for their daughters and have them read it and then maybe discuss it with them later. With boys, they don't want to read like a self-help book for, for parents. And so there are two things that I do with boys about that. And one is, is that I wrote a book with boys, about 140 boys helped me write a companion book for masterminds and wingmen called The Guide. And the subtitle is like Managing Douchebags, Recruiting Wingmen, and Attracting Who You Want, I think is the title. And because uh, the boys, they got to, they got to name yeah, the title, but it's for boys, right? I mean, yeah. like the tone is very different. And what we're talking about in The Guide is very different. It's for boys who are like mostly in high school, Everything from like what happens when you want to quit a team and you don't want to tell your parents because they're going to be totally, you know, upset with you. So how do you deal with that? What do you do when you have a friend who is, you know, going off the rails and trying to drag you down with him? What do you do when you have a racist friend or a friend who thinks that everything is funny and is absolutely terrible, but you like him, you know, or you have a history with him, so you don't want to just totally leave the relationship, but he's terrible. Like, so what do you do about that? When you go to a party and you're dealing with a drunk girl and how do you mitigate that or a drunk guy? Like, because those, those are two very different entities, right? Like dealing with a drunk guy, dealing with a drunk girl, very different. Completely different situations. These are the things you need as a high school guy is to know how to handle because they're getting into incredibly complex situations. So that's not in Masterminds and Wingmen. But what I tell parents is, and this is the case with any book or anything about teenagers, is I would say to your child, you know, I read this thing. I think it might be right. It rang true to me, but I could be wrong. So I'd like for you to read like a page or two and you tell me if this person who's written this thing or whatever uh, completely wrong just tell me what you think about it smart well and it's also true right like more important than what i think about your child that i've never met right is that it's really about like what your child thinks about what i'm saying and then telling yeah. you and that's really the, where the relationship gets strengthened and that's where you're going to find out the stuff you need to know so you know experts you know go go on pod, and i really like people like me we have a sense of things and we think about it a lot but we're not your child so it's right. really about having some kind of exchange with your child about like is this information right so i put the guy tell parents to put the guide the book for teenagers i just tell them to put it on their bed and walk away and don't talk about it. Don't like, do not talk to them. Don't give them like weird looks, right? Like of like, have you read the book? Like nothing, just like put it on the bed and walk yeah. away. And he's probably going to read it. And it, and then it'll come out. Like you got to be patient. Yeah, and it'll come out. Right. 
you know, and he'll tell you why it sucks or he'll tell you why it didn't suck. And that's what Stupid. you need. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So bad, right. The highest compliment you get from a teenage boy is like, Hey, actually that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Wow. That is tough <laughs> to get to that level. Yeah. I like that a lot. And yeah, I think it's a great approach to ask what they think about it, ask for their opinion, because we all love to share our opinion. Throughout this book, you have a few different situations where it would be a good idea to create a bill of rights. The first one on page 56 is your daughter's bill of rights with you. There was one about having her bill of rights with her friends, which comes up later. And then there's definitely one about a bill of rights with a boyfriend or someone that she's dating. Okay, so can we talk a little bit about those and any other bill of rights you want to throw at me? And how would you go about kind of constructing those with your daughter and what would be important to consider? Sure, sure. So I think what can be a little bit tricky is, and I've certainly experienced this as a parent, is you want your child to have to feel a sense of values and principles about how they are to be treated in the world. And that's really going to come from your family, right? Her experiences, and this is of course the same with your son, is that their first experiences with how they feel that they sh should be treated and deserved to be treated with what I would call dignity, with worth, comes really comes from the family. And then as an extension of that, it then becomes like, how does she or he have feelings about how their relationships, their friendships should go? And then that builds onto the relationships that they will build with people that they have intimate relationships with and, and sexual experiences with, by the way, right? Because they yeah. need those kinds of rights as they get older, regardless. If they have a sexual interaction with somebody, I don't care if it's 30 seconds, 30 minutes, or 30 years. The same kinds of values need to be applied of like, I am worthy, right? I, I have worth, and that worth is not dependent on anything. It's just essential to who I am. And we learn that, or we don't learn that initially in our families. And so to go back to being able to articulate, it empowers the child in the right way um, to say, what are the rights that you have in our family? It's not giving power to children, you know, like that they have all the power, they get to set the agenda for everything or that you're being their friend instead of their parent. That's not what you're doing when you're saying you have rights. And those rights are based on what we value in this family. And I would say, as I said a few seconds ago, that dignity, having dignity and worth for everyone in the family is one of the foundational principles. And so that means, for example, in a family that you apologize when you've hurt someone or that you learn how to regulate your anger and that you don't you don't have the right to lash out at people. Or if you do, because we all have moments, right, that you learn to take responsibility for that Right. And so there's all sorts of things that, that come from there of like one's essential worth. And then as the child gets older, when, you know, your child might have friendships that you're not crazy about, or, you know, you might like the kid. I've had this experience. You might like the child a lot. I usually like most kids because I like working with them. Sure, but right. there are children that my kids have been friends with that are going through a particular difficult phase where they're making really, really dangerous choices yeah. that are not, I'm not crazy about my child being around that. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah. sometimes that's life, right? Like they have to be able to navigate those kinds of relationships. So if you can take away from the actual specific person, 
because it's never about the specific person. It's about a pattern that your child is developing to have healthy relationships or not. Is that if you can say, well, what are your rights in a relationship? What do you have to have? And most kids will say with their friendships, trust, loyalty, and I want to be myself. Well, I would say as a parent, well, what does that look like to you in third grade, fifth grade, seventh grade, 10th grade? Because those look really different. So what concretely, what does that really look like to you? What does it look like to you to be loyal? Because loyalty can be backing up somebody when they specifically are doing something unethical, or it can be that you speak to that person. That's the way I would define true loyalty and say what you're doing is wrong. So you create those and then you also say, so what are the things that could happen that I would really consider breaking the relationship? I would say, I'm, I can't be in this relationship right. right now. When do the, ba- when are the boundaries the been crossed? Right. Right. And so you're doing it before in the, not in the moment of crisis, or maybe you're doing it after the crisis when things are a little bit calmer, but your child is developing social skills that are coming from them, but you are their guide along the way to help them think it through. You're not thinking it through for them. So you're appropriately being the support system that they need as they get older and they are taking your values and principles and making them to life. And that's what, when I was doing that so long ago, and I still do this in many ways today, is to help young people create those rights and responsibilities for themselves and other people. So you actually like have them write down a bill of rights on it. So you kind of have like a little family meeting or something, or just the two of you and take, take them out to breakfast or something and say, Hey, uh, absolutely. I'm all, yeah, breakfast is great. I love the breakfast meetings. Something um, about it, right? I don't know. It's non-threatening. You're doing something else while you're, it's not just a grill session, you know? It's like, right. The, the breakfast is only going to last like 45 minutes. So <laughs> yeah, there's an out at the end. Out, it's like, right? As fast as I can yeah, so, shove this down my face, we're out of here. All right. 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 Yeah. Um, I still do that. I mean, with our, so we have social emotional learning curriculum called owning up and uh, for fourth grade through 12th grade. And iterations of that exercise are just one of the foundational things that we do. We're here with Rosalind Weissman talking about her books, Queen Bees and Wannabes, as well as Masterminds and Wingmen. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. I have really drawn a line between what actually constitutes coarse language and language that I absolutely will not tolerate. So you have a whole section in here of reconnaissance strategies. (laughs) Never before this generation of fathers ever in the history of humanity have fathers had the unfortunate experience of like, picking up like their daughter's phone or finding out and looking at some sexy picture that or nude picture that their daughter sent to some kid or like some kid somehow got her to do this or whatever. I've talked to a lot of dads who've had that experience. No, mm. no dads in the history of dads has had to deal with that until this generation of dads. Yeah. And you feel horrible for your daughter. For the most part, it's just a reality that almost all kids know who you can get drugs from in high school. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.